Hey, thanks so much for being here. This is My City Church, and this is our podcast. We hope you are inspired to love God, love people, and lead in life. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning, My City Church. You guys excited for the Word of God this morning? Hope that you are expectant and ready for God to speak to you. I believe my cup is, I am full of faith right now, and uh, my cup is overflowing. So I, I pray and I hope that you are ready to receive. And even if you're not ready to receive, uh, some of it's going to splash on you because the person next to you is. Amen. <laughs> it's like SeaWorld. <laughs> hey, if you have your Bible in here, lift it up. Lift it up in the, in the air. Let me see it. If that's on your phone, that's okay. Say these words, say, speak to, my, speak to me, Bible. I'm listening. I'm listening. Now open up your Bible to 1 Samuel chapter 14. 1 Samuel chapter 14. 1 Samuel is right before 2 Samuel. If you're having trouble finding it, <laughs> kind of towards the beginning of your Bible. Um, uh, we're going to be getting to read about Jonathan today. Jonathan. But before we jump into the scripture today, a few different uh, announcements today. Uh, today's next step one. If you've been going to church for a while, or maybe this is your first time here and you want to know, hey, what's, what's my city about? Well, next step is the place for you. You want to say, hey, how can I be a part? Well, next steps is a place for you. We'll teach you about the vision of the church. We'll teach you about our heart, our mission. Next step two, we'll teach you all about teams, groups, giving, how you can be a part of what God is doing here at my city. If you've been putting it off, stop putting it off. Today's the day when you exit after service today. It's down the hall, right past kids to the left. We have childcare. We have snacks. If you're worried about losing your gains, you can eat as many snacks as you want. That was my story. I got to eat. I'm on a schedule. Next classes. Stop putting it off. Be out there today. We'd love to have you. Um, the other thing we have is tonight is all-in team night. All in team night. If you're serving that team, I expect to see you there tonight. If you're not or you're interested about being on a team here at my city, uh, come join us. We meet together as a family. We celebrate. We, do all, we celebrate all that God is doing. We're going to be recording a worship service as well. So you had the opportunity to be a part of that. We're also going to be doing baptisms tonight. And if you like the word that I preached today, I actually have a part two that I'm going to be preaching tonight. So uh, this, this first service was pretty good. And uh, um, I kind of, I was like, man, I don't know if I could preach it any better than that. And then uh, something came inside of me and said, I'm going to preach this better. So I hope that you're ready and expectant because I believe God has a word for you this morning. I believe he's going to speak to you. And uh, so 1 Samuel chapter 14, we're going to start in verse 1. This is a beginning of our Worth Dying For series. It's going to be all about... Uh, vision, what we're doing here in the house of God, and uh, how you can be a part of it. And uh, over the next four weeks, we're going to teach you, hey, what is a vision worth dying for? What does that even mean? Well, first, I'm going to, I'm not going to prelude it, but uh, you are worth dying for. So what else is worth dying for, for you? Worth dying for series is all about vision builders. Give you a little context to this scripture that we have in 1 Samuel the Philistines have invaded Israel, and they have oppressed them. And now Israel is starting to push back. So King Saul, he was just appointed king. He rallied, he rallied together 2,000 men under his command and 1,000 men under Jonathan's command. Jonathan is his son. 
and they were pushing back the Philistines, all the different raiding parties and everything, they're pushing them back. Well, the Philistines got word of this and they went off to suppress the, the uprising because the Philistines were the rulers at that time over Israel and they, needed to, they were starting to get pushed back. So how many know when there's an uprising, the oppressor usually comes down with a hammer? Uh, sadly, that's usually how it is. And what the Philistines have done, so Saul has 2,000 men, Jonathan has 1,000. They muster together 3,000 chariots, 6,000 charioteers, and the Bible says as many men as sands on the seashore coming against them. And if I were you with this we 3,000 men, I would think that the odds are pretty well stacked against us. And so people start running away. They start leaving. The Bible talks about them hiding and doing different things and just getting away, some going to different. And so the army's scattering. They're running away. They're scattering because of what's coming up against them. And then this is where we pick up in 1 Samuel chapter 14, verse 1. One day, Jonathan, son of Saul, said to the young man bearing his armor, Come, let's go over to the Philistine outpost on the other side. But he did not tell his father. Saul was staying on the outskirts of Gibeah under a pomegranate tree in Migron. With him were about 600 men. Remember that, 600 men. Among whom was Ahijah, who was wearing an ephod. Remember that as well. <laughs> Remember everything I tell you. <laughs> he, was, he was son of Ichabod's brother, Ahitub, son of Phinehas, the son of Eli, the Lord's priest in Shiloh. We talked about Eli last week at Mother's Day. How great of a message was that last week? Pastor Kelly, Pastor Rachel, Pastor Natalie crushed it. Such a great message last week. If you didn't get a chance to listen, uh, well, too bad. We don't upload them on the podcast anymore. No, that's why you got to be here every Sunday. No, no, no. We put them on the podcast. Check it out. It was a blessing, a great, great message from the women here at my city. But we're talking about the son of Eli. The son of Eli was the person that told Hannah to stop, say, said she was drinking too much wine. So it's just a few generations later. No one was aware that Jonathan had left. Verse 4, on each side of the pass that Jonathan intended to cross to reach the Philistine outpost was a cliff. One would call, was called Bozes and the other Shana. One cliff stood towards the north, to, to the north towards McMash, the other to the south called Geba. Jonathan said to his young armor bearer, come, let's go to the outpost of those uncircumcised fellows. Put that in your vocabulary. And he says this one word, perhaps, say perhaps. The Lord will act in our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. Do all that you have in mind, his armor bearer said with a grunt. Go ahead, I am with you, heart and soul. Turn to your neighbor and ask them this question. Say these words, say, perhaps I'm wrong, but what if I'm not? That's what I'm gonna be talking about today. Perhaps I'm wrong, but what if I'm not? Let's pray this morning. God, I thank you for the word that you have given me this morning. I pray that it would not return to you void, but it will accomplish the purpose that which you have sent it for. I pray for the words that are coming out of my mouth. God, may I just be an echo of what heaven has spoken to me. God, I pray for those that are listening. God, I pray that it wouldn't just go in one ear and out the other, but I pray that you would open their ears to hear, open their eyes to see the word that you have for them this morning. God, because I know your word is faithful. Your word is true. It is sharper than a double-edged sword to divide bone and marrow. It is good for edification. It is good for rebuking. And I pray that you would speak to us today. Speak to us, we pray. And just right now, church, would you just lift out your hands like this? I know your eyes are closed, your head are bowed, but hands just out. Just open them up and say, dear Lord, speak to me. I'm listening. 
And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Thanks, Emmanuel. Thank you today. Guys, this is going to be a fun day in church. Are you ready today? Because I think I can preach this better. This is going to be a fun Sunday. Fun Sunday in the house of God. So what do we have? The context of the story is, is Israel's finally starting to push back against their oppressors. And now the oppressors are coming down with a hammer trying to destroy the quote-unquote uprising that Israel is having. How many of you know the moment you start to make waves in the kingdom of God and on this earth and in your life, you would be ignorant to believe that the devil is not going to come against you to try to destroy what ground you have taken? The devil's going to try to uproot whatever progress you have made. The moment you start to stir the waters, the devil knows, I got to stop that before it starts. I got to stop that before it starts. That's why it's so important when you raise your hand for salvation, we call them to come down to the front because we want to get their information because we don't want that seed to be snatched up before it even had a chance to grow. In your life, the moment you start to make progress, the devil comes against you. And you would be ignorant to think otherwise. Why would the devil just watch the will of God happen in your life without resisting it? So here we have the Philistines trying to, trying to destroy the uprising that has happened in their territory. And they're coming down hard. I'm talking like army as large as sands on the seashore. And people start running away. 1 Samuel 13 says this. It says, when the men of Israel saw that their situation was critical and that their army was hard-pressed... They hid in caves and thickets among the rocks and in pits and cisterns. Some Hebrews even crossed the Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead. They ran away. But can you blame them? I mean, let's be honest. <laughs> There's a few of us and a lot of them. That'd be like me being like, all right, I'm going to take on every one of y'all. In comparison to them having 3,000 men and then them having sand on the seashore. It's a little absurd to think that you'd be able to win, right? But what if the very thing that was, you were thinking was a setback was actually a setup for what God wanted to show you in, his life, in your life? What if the very thing you were facing was actually a way for God to show his glory in and through you? Do you trust God with the results? But you can't really blame them. The odds were against them. I, I, I would like to say I would have stayed, but I don't really know. I'm not in that situation. But how many of you know that no matter who leaves you in your life, your calling and your purpose is not contingent upon anyone that leaves you? Because God had a purpose. Your calling is not contingent on anyone that leaves you in your life. I say this to every person that has been doubting in here that they could still fulfill the God calling on their life. Because if it was contingent upon anyone else and their very actions and, 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 and things that they do to determine God's purposes on your life, that doesn't make any sense. But can I tell you today that if they left you, if they left you, you can go on the calling of God without them. I say it like this, that if you can't live without them, they won't leave you. If they leave you, you can't live without them. Because it's not about that person. It's not about that thing. It's not about that situation. What if the very situation that you were facing was the very thing that God was using to show you how powerful he really is? 
Now, I want to take a moment to talk to you guys just a little bit before we really dive into the scripture. Just, some, just talk to you like family and what's going on here in, in my city church. How many of you guys know last week I was out by the entrance handing out these things here? You know, I said I'll talk about it this week. So here I am talking about it this week. Uh-huh. No. Um, so on March 15th, Westside uh, announced to us that they will not be renewing our lease here at Westside Middle School. And they said that uh, towards the end of June, the last Sunday of June would be our last Sunday here, but they have the op- we have the option to extend it until the end of July. So we did. We said, hey, well, we want to extend it till the end of July. So I have contractual affirmation that we'll have it until end of June, and I have a verbal agreement that we'll have it until the end of July. Well, mid two weeks ago, Westside notified us. They said, hey, if you guys don't do anything about these little things here, uh, we're going to kick you out. And last week will be your last week here. And so I asked God, I said, God, what do you want me to do? And so, you know, the Bible verse that says, do not be anxious through anything, but through everything through prayer and uh, petition, make your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. So I just, God's like, what do you want? I said, well, God, I want to be out there until end of July. And he says, all right, well, I need you to go out to the entrance before each service. I need you to hand out masks. I go, okay, I'll do that. And so here I am here today talking to you guys about the situation that's going on. They threaten. Now, I have, a, I have a verbal agreement till the end of July. I have a contractual agreement till the end of June. But they threaten that they could terminate it at any moment. Because how many of you guys know that the moment you start to make wakes in the city of Omaha, the devil comes in to destroy it before it can get started? Now, I say this to you because when we were planning the Worth Dying For series and we got the news March 15th, it was my goal and my ambition to have a, a new location lined up for you by this sermon series. However, we've been calling hundreds of different places. We have roughly a 95% rejection rate. And they say it's because of COVID. You know, whether you do schools, whether you... We've had convention centers t- telling us, hey, we can't, we can't have you here because we can't staff you. I go, wait, but we're paying you for the building. Can, can you pay the people to staff the building because we're paying you? And, well, we just can't do that. There's, apparently, they're having a lot of tr- trouble getting people back to work, and I'm sure some people have, had that, uh, have seen that in the news, um, just people getting back to work. So what, where we're at as a church right now is we're looking at either end of June, which is contractual or verbal. I'm praying, I'm hoping, end of July, and August 1st will be our new location somewhere. Now, I wish I could tell you I knew where that was, but I do know one thing for sure is that God is faithful. And I know that we're the type of people that when the devil comes out to destroy something before it can start to get traction, when the devil comes out to uproot something before it starts to make a big difference in this city, when the devil comes in like a roaring lion, our people will roar back saying, you know who our God is? Tell you what, as a husband, there is one thing that you can do to really uh, get on my nerve. There's one thing that you can do to get me almost, I, I venture to say, very violent. There is one thing that you can do. And you know what that is? That is you coming against my wife. And we as a church are called the bride of Christ. 
When the devil comes against his bride, when the devil comes against God's bride, you better believe that God's going to show up in power. You better believe that God's going to open up doors. You better believe that when the devil meant it for evil, God will use it for good. For no weapon formed against his church will prosper. So this is where we're at. This is the reality of the situation. We are actively looking for buildings. We are looking for a potential another school to rent or a convention center to rent. Honestly, I'm exploring the options of leasing. We're also exploring the options of leasing to buy. And I would love the fact to be able to just buy outright. Because this is what I know, that when doors are shut, left and right, left and right, it's because God's positioning you to go through the door that he wants you to go through. Because his word is true and his promises are sure. We had our Vision Builders offering about two months ago. It was such a fantastic night. Our Vision Builders Gala is such a fantastic night where we as a church pledged to give over almost $700,000 towards future expansion. Almost 700,000. I am pleased to tell you that we have already had over 220,000 come into this house. Now, I want to tell you, as the interim lead pastor, I am being diligent and faithful with that. I actually have it going into a separate account where I'm doing my best not even to ever touch it to, to, to make sure that it's used towards that future building. I'm not even, I'm, it's a whole, totally different account. I have to do like two transfers before I can even touch it. Because to understand this, that I'm going to be faithful with your tithe. I'm going to be faithful with your offering. But ultimately, I do not need to be accountable to you but someone that I need to fear a whole lot more than you. And that is our God. And every little dime, every little penny, every little thing, it's not about equal giving, equal it's about equal sacrifice. So whether you're able to give a lot or a little, it doesn't matter. It's about, your, it's about what you're giving of your heart. And does money have you or do you have money? And so as a church over this Vision Builders, this Worth Dying For series, this is a Vision Builders series, you'll have opportunities to give your offering, your above and beyond throughout this whole week, but we're also going to have a miracle offering on March 30th, It'll, oh, sorry, May, May 30th, thank you guys, look, I got a team here, May 30th, we'll be having a miracle offering, it'll be towards the end of this uh, sermon series in two weeks, we'll be having it, where you can also give um, towards Vision Builders. And every single dime that comes in, just make sure you mark it, Vision Builders, whether on the envelope or when you go online to give, just mark it Vision Builders. We allocate all of that to that separate account. And it goes into that, and it just keeps growing. And it will, it will keep growing. But here's, here's how I look at it here, is as a church, we are called to tithe. That is not an if I have enough, that is a command. Malachi says this in the book of Malachi, it says that you have robbed God. Well, how have we robbed you from taking away my tithes and offerings? You have not been giving them to me, and now you are under a curse. But if you give it to me, test me in this. I will rebuke the devourer. So if you look at your life and everything that you, your, your money that you have, you have 100%. But this is how most of us live, and, and, and we live it like I have 100%. So I think, okay, so... 20%, here you go, Mr. Mortgage Broker. I got another 10% left. Uh, here you go, uh, car bill. I got another 25%. Here you go, internet, because internet prices are outrageous. 
And then I got another 20% and I'm going to go to, oh, I really like that news TV that came out. I think I might need to get that. And now, oh, here we are, God. And oh, sorry, God, there's nothing left for you. But as a people of God, I would rather live 90%, under 90% blessed with God on my side than 100% without God on my side. Now understand, I don't give to get. I don't give to get God on my side. He's already on my side. But the Bible says that because you have not, you are living under a curse. But just give that 10% back to me because I already gave you that 100%. Just give it back to me and I, I will rebuke the devourer. That's your tithe. But then we're talking about our offering. Now, my entire life I've been giving. Since I was a teenager, you know, every time, everything that came in 10%, you know, just giving it back to God. Why? Because he gave me. He gave it to me. All I'm doing is just giving it back to him. I think, you may think 10% is a lot. I think the 90% that he let you keep is a lot. And it's a different approach on finances. It's a different approach on what God is, how God has blessed you. Because that is all temporary. And I'm going to apply it to eternal purposes. I'm not going to just be about accumulating blessings accumulating possessions. I'm not just about accumulating possessions, but distribution of blessing. So God has given me. I'm giving because God gave me so much. That's why I give. That's why I go above and beyond. So I do vision builders. If you want to know how much I give, just come up and ask me. I ain't going to tell it from here. And frankly, I probably won't even give you the honest answer because answer, it's between me and God. But every time God asks, I, I do my best. God, whatever you need, because it's not mine, it's yours. It's yours, and I've given you so, you've given me so much, I'm just giving it back to you. But there's a great way for you to give here at my city, a great way, and it's called our Church Center app. Our Church Center app. I have it on my phone. It's so convenient. Honestly, it is. If you haven't downloaded it yet, you need to download it right now. Pull out your phone in church, download it, because it has all this stuff. It has, your, it has giving. It has groups. Hey, how do I get a part of a group? Well, hey, download the app. You can see all the different ones. So if you don't like the one you're going to, just kind of check out a different one. <laughs> You got events, you can register for that. You also giving. Now, this is how convenient it is. I can literally give the moment I get my paycheck, I can give within 15 seconds. I just go on the app, I open it up, I put in my little thumbprint, the one that Bill Gates borrows, and then I, I tie I, and I can give. I can <laughs> I have an Android phone, that's why it's Bill Gates, but you know. <laughs> Back to the Bible, please. So that's the essence of this Vision Builder sermon series that we have. But going back to what's going on with Jonathan, men are running away, and you can't really blame them. They're hard-pressed on every side. And not only are they hard-pressed on every side and outnumbered, but none of them have any swords or spears. It says it in right here, verse thir chapter 13, verse 22. It says, so on the day of the battle, not a soldier with Saul and Jonathan had a sword or spear in his hand. Only Saul and his son Jonathan had them. Can you blame them for running away? They had farming equipment. They, they were going around chasing people with backhoes. They were going around chasing them with rakes. You know, imagine trying to go after a guy with a rake. What's that going to do? Unless it's those really old-fashioned rakes that are, like, really hard. <laughs> that Maybe that would work. But can you blame them for running away? They didn't even have a sword. And then can I tell you that in this house, as the interim lead pastor, I will always promise to help you know how to use your sword. Because what we have is we have a, a church that is hijacked. And the devil is okay with you knowing how to farm. He just doesn't want you to know how to fight. 
The devil's fine with you getting in the word of God and just learning about God. What he doesn't want you to do is know what God has for you and to fight for it. That was all fine with it until you pick up your sword and use it as a weapon. Because the greatest advantage the devil can have against the church is a church that doesn't know how to use a weapon that has been given. God has given you a weapon. Do you know how to wield it? Are you in it daily? Are you in it seeking God's face daily? Can I tell you, the world, the church right now is being attacked on all sides, and we have a church that does not know how to use a sword. I will always do my best to help you, but it ultimately relies on you. Get in the word. If you have questions, hey, that's what we're here for. I have questions too. I have questions too. I have things that I wrestle with too. I don't got it all figured out. The Holy Spirit will lead me into all truth though. I believe that. And this is why they didn't have any weapons. Go back just three verses. It says this, not a blacksmith could be found in the whole land of Israel because the Philistines had said, otherwise the Hebrews will make swords or spears. Can I tell you the devil knows how to play the long game? The devil knows how to play the long game. He's not concerned about what you're doing today as much as he concerns about what you're gonna be doing five years from now, 10 years from now. And he knows that if he can disarm you, he can keep you from the miracles that God has for you. Devil plays the long game. But can I tell you, it wasn't the lack of resources that Israel had. Israel had iron. They just didn't know what to do with it. They didn't know how to shape it. They didn't know how to form it. They had the resources. They just didn't know how to use it. We have millionaires in this house. We have business builders in this house. We have people that can shape and form the political system in this house. And it is my desire and as a desire of the pastoral team to help equip you to be able to walk in all that God has for you. Whether that means you need business advice, we have business leaders. Whether that means, hey, I'm trying to get into properties, we have property leaders. If you're saying, hey, well, I'm trying to get into political systems, you know what? We have the answers to the world, so why are we not invading the world? We have the resources. It's about time we start learning how to use them. Because if God is with us and God is on our side, nothing can stand against us. So don't shy back. I just have this iron. What do I do with it? Learn how to use it. Shape it into a sword. Sometimes that's when you start reading your Bible. It just feels like a, a book. But as you get into it, it starts to shape and form itself to where no weapon formed against me shall prosper. And it starts coming out of your lips. And I'm going to be talking about this a little bit tonight. But Isaiah 49 talks about how your words are like a sword. Anyways, that's the, you come in tonight to hear, that, hear about that. Um, but uh, keep, keep going on. So they have no sword or weapon. So what are they going to do? So now we come back to 14 verse 2. Now we find Saul. Saul was staying at the outskirts of Gibeah under a pomegranate tree in Migron. With him were about how many men? 600 men, among whom was Ahijah who was wearing an ephod, an ephod. He was the son of Ichabod's brother, Ahitub, son of Phinehas, the son of Eli, the Lord's priest in Shiloh. No one was aware that Jonathan had left. No one was aware that Jonathan had left. No one knew what Jonathan was doing. This is what separates Saul and Jonathan. The reason why Saul lost his, his kingship, he said to Samuel the prophet, he said, everyone was leaving. I didn't know what to do. Out of the fear of the people, I sacrificed out of order. 
He did something for the sake of the people rather than honoring God. But the Bible says to obey is better than to sacrifice. To obey is better than to sacrifice. Obeying what God has asked you to do, not out of the forsake of anyone else. Can I tell you that my goal in my life will always be built off of what God has asked me to do, and it may not always make sense to what other people are saying. It may not always make sense, but I always bounce it. I always bounce it off my peers. I bounce it off people I know. Hey, I feel like God's saying this because God will speak through them just as much as he speaks to me. So when God speaks to me, I say, God, show me where it is in your word. Okay, it is in their word. Hey, what do you think about this? Do you think that's something biblical? Am I being heretical by saying this? You know, I'm bouncing it off of people around me because I surround myself with a good group of men because iron sharpens iron and it'll encourage me not to grow complacent. But what do we find with Saul? He was worried about what the people were saying, and now we find him under a pomegranate tree with an ephod. What's an ephod? Well, I'm glad you asked. An ephod was a, 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 a breastplate that the high priest would wear. On it were 12 stones representing the 12 tribes of Israel, and he would wear it. And on the back of it were two stones, Urim and Thummim, that were used to know the will of God. And what they do is they'd cast lots and so that they'd be able to know the will of God. And the high priest was wearing an ephod. I know this is able to tell the will of God because Exodus 28 says this. It says, also put, this is talking about the ephod, also put the Urim and Thummim in the breastpiece so that they may be over Aaron's heart. Whenever he enters the presence of the Lord, thus Aaron will always bear the names of making decisions for the Israelites over his heart before the Lord. They had the ability to know what the will of God was, but they were not walking in it. The ephod was right there on the priest. Ahitub was a, the nephew of Ichabod. Ichabod was a, was a grandson of Eli. Ichabod's name means the glory has departed. Can I tell you as a church, if you ever grow complacent in what God has called you to do, and you disguise it as, I'm just seeking the will of God, the glory of the Lord will depart from your life. The glory of the Lord will depart from this church if we learn to just, I'm just going to seek and just wonder what God's will is. Why do I need to know what the will of God is when I know what the will of God is? Understand this today that if you stay complacent, you will find that you associate with people where the glory has departed. What has God called us to as a church? God has called us to so much more, just me and us, and we're just gonna stay together and just come together every day. There is so much more because there's a city that needs to be reached. There are people that are going to hell. There are people that are living every day in depression. There are people, we have the answers to life. Are we just going to keep it for ourselves? Why do I need to know what the will of God is? So he's surrounding himself with a bunch of complacent people because he's afraid that he doesn't have enough to accomplish what God has asked him to do. I only got 600 men. So I'm just going to say, well, God, I don't have the resources. God, I don't have the money. God, I don't have the people. How can I lead a team if I don't have it? How can I do this? How can I lead a group if I don't have the people? How can, how can I step out and give if I don't have the money? How can I step out and serve if I don't have the time? How can I do this? Because understand this today, that if you stay stuck in insufficiency, you will always bow your knee to complacency because nothing great ever happened from a mindset of lack. Nothing great ever happened from a mindset of lack. But what we do as a people, as a, as a natural tendency that we have, is we live in one day win. 
One day when, one day when I have enough money, then I'll give. One day when I have enough time, then I'll serve. One day when I've secured my job and I have enough money set away for retirement, then I'll learn how to be a dad. Then I'll learn how to be a husband. One day when, then I'll lead my family. One day when, then I'll learn how to read my Bible. One day when, then I'll worship in my car. One day when, I'll get up and I'll pray in the morning for my family, my church, and my city. One day when, one day when, can I tell you, God is up there saying, when will you pick up my cross and carry it? Are you going to wait till you have everything you need? What is faith if it doesn't have lack? What is faith if it doesn't have lack? What is stepping outside of the boat if you don't have to trust the person that will carry you? But what if real faith just looked in this one word? It was just this one word. Perhaps. Perhaps. 14 verse 6. Jonathan said to his young armor bearer, we already read this, but we're going to read it again for, to help it to make sense. Come, let's go over to the outpost of those uncircumcised fellows. He says this word, perhaps. Perhaps. The Lord will act on our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. Do all that you have in mind, his armor bearer said. Go ahead. I am with you, heart and soul. Jonathan said, come then. We'll go then. We'll come then. We will cross over towards the men and let them see us. Can I tell you, if you're going to attack the enemy, that's not a very good plan. Especially if you're outnumbered. Hello, here we are. Come get us. Sometimes victories come out of things that don't make sense. He says this, uh, we'll go over and let them see us. If they say to us, wait there until we come to you, we will stay where we are and not go up to them. But if they say, if they give us just one word, come up to us, we will climb up because that will be our sign that the Lord has given them into our hands. So both of them showed themselves to the Philistine outpost. Look, said the Philistines, the Hebrews are calling out of their holes they were hiding in. The men of the outpost shouted to Jonathan and his armor bearer, come up to us and we'll teach you a lesson. So Jonathan said to his armor bearer, climb up after me. I don't need anyone. I don't need 300 in here. I don't need that. I just need one. I just need one that'll say, come after me. I'm going. Come after me. The Lord's given them into the hands of Israel. Come after me. So Jonathan climbed up using his hands and feet with his armor bearer right behind him, meaning it wasn't be easy. One side was a hard rock, the other side was thorn and thistles. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be worth it. The Philistines fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer followed and killed right behind him. In that first attack, Jonathan and his armor bearer killed some 20 men in an area of about half an acre. Then panic struck. Jonathan did... Then panic struck. The whole army, those in the camp and field and those in the outposts and raiding parties and the ground shook. It was a panic sent by God. All because one person said, perhaps. Because one person said, perhaps. Why do you need to know the ways of God if you know the will of God? What is God's will for this church? What is God's will for this city? What is God's will for the people of God? 
What is it? I know he says, I seek that none be lost, that none should perish. But you know what I think Jonathan had in mind? I think he knew what God did before. He knew that he was in a promised land, and he thought to himself, perhaps God can do it again. Perhaps. Maybe God can do it again. You know how I know that? It's because I'm going to share with you several scriptures that are before all this happened that Jonathan had access to, and he would have heard about the stories of what God did before and the revivals that happened through the John Wesleys, the revivals that happened through, through the Azusa Street, the revivals that happened through people like Billy Graham, the revivals that happened through Smith's Wigglesworth, the revivals that happened through all these other people that just said yes, Catherine Coleman. Revivals happen because you say yes. Are you available? This one word, Catherine Coleman, she went around, she was a healing evangelist, just went around healing people through the grace of God that it was bestowed upon her. And she just said, you know what? Catherine died a long time ago. Jesus lives in me now, whatever God needs. But I think Jonathan remembered. I think he remembered what the word of God said. And through Leviticus 26, this is the first one. It says, five of you will chase 100 and 100 of you will chase 10,000 and your enemies will fall by the sword. That sounds kind of familiar. Deuteronomy 32 says this, how could one man chase a thousand or two, put 10,000 to flight, unless a rock had sold them, unless the Lord had given them up? Joshua 23 says this, the Lord has driven out before you great and powerful nations. To this day, no one has been able to withstand you. One of you routes a thousand because the Lord your God fights for you, just as he promised you. And I think Jonathan was going around, man, people are leaving, people are going, people are running away, the enemy's coming against us, what are we going to do? Well, how many people we got? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 600. Man, we only got 600. Wait a second. I remember a story in the Bible that had the number 600 in it. And I remember what happened. It's in Judges chapter 3, 31. After he had came... Shamgar, son of Anath, who struck down 600 Philistines with an ox goad, he too saved Israel. I think Jonathan read this verse and said, perhaps, perhaps God did it before. Perhaps God did it down in Brownsville in Florida. Perhaps God did it in Los Angeles and California. Perhaps he could do it again. Come on, stand to your feet. I'm closing. Because God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the greatest enemy to the church is complacency. The greatest enemy to the church is good times. The greatest enemy to the church is a life where I don't have to learn how to fight. Where I can be comfortable. But as a church, our desire will never be to be comfortable. Can I tell you that Jesus did not do many miracles in his hometown of Nazareth. The Bible says he did not do many miracles because of their lack of faith. Do you have faith today? Do you have faith today? He did not do many miracles because of their lack of faith. And as a church, you have a choice to be, is God gonna find faith here in Omaha? Is God gonna find faith here in my city church? And I wanna share with you this verse right here. Matthew 
says this, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. As a church, the global church, we can't be going around wondering what the will of God is when he says all authority power has been given to me, therefore go. We can't be wondering what the will of God is when something is coming against this church. Because get this, in Romans 3, 8, 31b, it says this, if God is for us, who can be against us? What are we afraid of? If God is for us, who can be against us? And I know this is true, that no matter what comes against my city church, whether it be a school district, whether it be a government, whether it be any kind of other thing, maybe it comes within its own house, whatever kind of thing comes against God's church will not prevail because his word says, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. That's a promise. That's the will of God. That's a purpose. But Luke 18 says this. It says, however, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith at my city church? Will he find faith in you? Believing for the impossible, that regardless of what it looks like, regardless if I'm outnumbered, regardless of what it looks like with my eyes and what I hear with my ears, I'm gonna learn how to fight. I'm gonna learn how to pick up my sword and believe when no one else is gonna believe, when everyone else is running and hiding and ducking and covering. I'm gonna choose to go out and fight. I'm gonna choose to live on faith. Are you gonna be that type of church that continues to believe even when it seems improbable, even when it seems like it might not happen? Are you gonna be that people? So right now, lift up your voice, say we will. Come on, shout it, say we will. Come on, shout it with all you've got, say we will. We will, we will, God. Thank you, God. Thank you for being in this place. Thank you for empowering this church. Thank you for the people of my city church. God, continue to move in this city. Move in the hearts of your people. God, that one day we can see Jesus be lifted high in the city of Omaha. Thank you so much for listening today. And we want to give a special thank you to those that give so generously to My City Church. We wouldn't be able to do this without you. If you would like to give today, please hit the link in the description or go to our website at mycitychurch.cc forward slash give. And if you enjoyed today's podcast, please hit the subscribe button and share it on all of your social media. We love you so much. We'll see you next week. God bless.